Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. So I've been a little bit out of my regular podcast routine for a few weeks since I paused to focus on my family and myself after my father-in-law passed away. So thank you all so much for your well wishes and your words of love. You all shared such beautiful things with me and I appreciate it so much. We are home now. We've been home for a week, just trying to get back into the swing of things. Timmy's been pretty down, honestly. Any extra love you can show him. If you watch our YouTube, he's obviously on there talking to y'all all the time. So yeah, just trying to have patience with that. As I know, time and only time can heal these things and pick up any of the slack I can in terms of taking care of Sunny or whatever needs to be done. Just trying to help support him in any way I can. Because I know when you're grieving, your brain is just not functioning properly. Everything takes you so much longer and your motivation is really low. So I'm trying to do my best to take care of this family. (laughs) Yeah, that's really my update. I am so grateful that I got to start my interviews back up again with the amazing Dr. Anna Malika Tubbs. She was such a joy to talk to and I just learned so much. Anna holds a PhD in sociology and master's in multidisciplinary gender studies from the University of Cambridge, in addition to a bachelor's in anthropology from Stanford University. Smart cookie, right? Anna centers her research writing and talks on gender and race issues in the U.S., especially the pervasive erasure of black women. Anna's debut book, The Three Mothers, How the Mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X and James Baldwin Shaped a Nation is a New York Times bestseller as well as a New York Times editor's choice and an Amazon editor's pick. We had the best conversation about changing the perception and narrative of motherhood. So here is Dr. Anna Malika Tubbs. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, same. I want to start by just giving like a 101 on your background. Tell us about your PhD and the research you've done and why you decided to dedicate your professional life to it. 
Yeah. So I start by saying I am a huge nerd. I love school. I love research. And so (laughs) I always knew I was going to get a PhD, but I wasn't always sure what I was going to do with that. And I have an undergraduate degree in medical anthropology. My master's is in multidisciplinary gender studies and my PhD is in sociology. And I always felt that the work that was being done in the academy was really exclusive and that Mm -hmm. it needed to be opened up to more people and shared with more people. And there was really no need for it to be so complicated and that these ideas could be communicated in ways that anybody could understand. So that was my passion and continues to be my passion. And so I like to translate everything I've learned in the academy from all my years of studying and research to general audiences and translate that into work that I think everyone can enjoy and at least feel welcome in the conversation. And so I'm very passionate about gender and race and how these intersect. And I think a lot of people in the U.S. can benefit from understanding these concepts a little bit better. And so that's what I've tried to do with my work. And it's resulted in my first book that came out in February of 2021, all about the mothers of MLK Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin. So amazing. So tell me what sparked the idea to write this? There are a lot of motivations. So I had an incredible mother. She was a lawyer who advocated for women's rights, both in the U.S. as well as abroad. So she was all about feminism, women's empowerment. And I grew up just really observing her and her journey and really believing that women are powerful. Mothers are incredibly powerful and influential. But I realized a lot of people didn't feel the same way. And in combination with that, when I started my PhD, Hidden Figures had recently been released. And so this book by Margot Lee Shetterly that went on to become this incredible film, I was really inspired by. And I wanted to be someone who found other hidden figures. And so I thought I'm going to combine that with what I've always witnessed in my mom and in her own work. And I'm going to talk about mothers who have been forgotten and erased and really focus on the civil rights movement because we come back to it in our conversations around policy all the time, but we talk about it from such a male perspective. So I really wanted to flip that on its head. I didn't want to talk about the quote woman behind the man, but instead the woman before the man was even a thought. And the little research that was out there on these women, there was so little out there before my book was enough and to pique my interest and say, I'm going to be the one who uncovers this even further. So that's really where it started. So I think that's so interesting because there's so much more to learn about someone when you start to dig into their background, right? Like Absolutely. There's, there's so much that comes before just what they do. It's like what led them to do what they did. In writing this book, like what were some of the most notable things that you wanted the readers to to take away from this? Yeah, in writing it. So when I started the research, I really was just interested. I thought this is an interesting question. Like you were just saying, you know, the more we know about people's backgrounds, the better we understand them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It seems sort of like a basic concept, but I wasn't trying to prove at all, you know, that maybe because Alberta King did this, MLK did this later, you know, I wasn't trying to make that connection, but the more I uncovered through my work and speaking to local historians and interviewing family members and traveling the country, going through archives and archives and letters, et cetera, was that the connection between what the mothers did 
long before their sons were even a thought in their mind was so obvious, so apparent that it was clear that this erasure of them was actually very strategic. It didn't just kind of happen by mistake because the more we know about them, the more we realize that these sons just couldn't have been who they were without their mothers and their mother's passions and their mother's identities. So just to give kind of a teaser to that with Alberta King, MLK Jr.'s mother, she was this activist. She believed in marches and boycotts and participated in these things and organized these things. She believed that social justice was always intertwined with Christian faith. She believed that her education was not only something that she used for herself, but she could use to advance freedom causes forward. She understood she had privileges that other people didn't have, and she wanted to use this for a larger cause. So it's basically like I'm I'm describing the same exact person when we're yes. thinking about her yes. and MLK Jr. And why did we not know that sooner? It's an important question to ask. And when we look at Louise Little, this is Malcolm X's mother. She was a radical activist as well. She believed that you know, Black independence and Black pride were what we needed to fight for. She was very anti-assimilation, so pan-Africanist, all about these like Black national freedom movements. It's almost the exact same thoughts that Malcolm X makes and becomes famous for. And then Burtis Baldwin, James Baldwin's mother, was a writer. And she believed that through the power of words and through the power of language, you could help other people through their pain, help them change their perspective help them confront the hatred, confront the darkness, but in order to find the light, in order to find love, in order to find healing. So when her son becomes the famous writer, James Baldwin, who at one point says, I'm a witness to the power of light. And I do that through my writing. It's not just something beautiful. He's saying he's just directly quoting his mother. So the the thing that I found in every turn when I'm writing this book and I'm writing the dissertation and I'm starting to get more and more frustrated is that the world doesn't know the thing that I know, which is these sons did this because their mothers did it first. Right. Did that upset you in any way? Like, did you feel a little bit of moral injustice that these women were all doing this previously, but their voices were never heard? Because that Absolutely. Would, yeah. I was so angry all the time. And it's, it's funny because now it's funny because the book's out and, you know, people can read about their stories. But my husband was really the only person that had to deal with this anger of mine. Yeah. <laughs> he would come back from work and I'd be sitting doing my research all day alone. And I would I'd found something, I'd interviewed somebody and something had been revealed to me. And I said, this is so upsetting, Michael, that no one knows this. How is it possible that no one knows this? And right. we're always celebrating these men. You know, every single year we celebrate MLK Junior Day as we should. It's around his birthday, January 15th. But I always say, how did we not stop to think who else was in the room that day that he was born? Yes. Perhaps the woman who birthed him. Why didn't we think of that sooner? Right. And so I'm writing this, you know, over the course of several years and every holiday where we celebrate the three of them, anything that would come up when we might commemorate or think about the day that they were assassinated. I was just sitting there thinking, everybody is missing a huge piece of this puzzle. And it's really not fair. It's not fair to these mothers, the three mothers that I write about, but it's also not fair to all of the women and mothers who are continuously erased to this day. Now a word from our sponsors. 
Claire is a new online paint brand that makes paint shopping super simple. Claire takes the hassle out of paint shopping with a streamlined selection of designer curated colors, mess-free peel and stick paint swatches, and premium paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. Claire makes picking colors easy and hassle-free. If you need help choosing a color, you can try Claire Color Genius, a fun two-minute quiz that's like having an interior designer help you choose a paint color. You answer a few easy questions about your space and your style, and Claire delivers a personalized paint color recommendation for you. Claire is a female-founded company, and its founder and CEO also happens to be an interior designer. She saw that the traditional paint shopping experience was really outdated and full of hassles. So she decided to create a better brand and a new experience that's easier, more convenient, and more inspiring. Claire also offers expert guidance, including a ton of educational content to help you tackle your paint project like a pro and an inspiring blog full of home ideas, tips, and tutorials to help you create a home you love. So for your next paint project, definitely give Claire a try. Visit Claire at www.claire.com slash with wit to get started and receive 10% off your order. That's www.claire.com. That's C-L-A-R-E.com slash with wit for 10% off. Looking for a nutritious and delicious snack that the whole family will love? I got you. I am the reigning queen of snacks and super proud of it. Are you looking for a nutritious and delicious snack? Well, look no further than Perfect Bar. Perfect Bar is exactly what you and your family need with its lineup of fresh from the fridge protein bars. Perfect Bar is where it's at. Perfect Bar has you covered. Made with freshly ground peanut butter, organic honey, and 20 organic superfoods, Perfect Bar has protein bars and little snack size bars that taste amazing and are good for you. The peanut butter is delicious. Packed with up to six grams of whole food proteins and 150 calories, a little really goes a long way. If you aren't convinced, they're also non-GMO project verified, gluten-free, soy-free, kosher, and low G. Perfect Bar knows it will be love at first sight. So for a limited time, they're offering you a chance to try their refrigerated protein bars for free. Here's how it works. Sign up for email or texts and upload a picture of your receipt from your local grocery store, and they'll reimburse you for the cost of one bar directly into your Venmo or PayPal account. Pretty cool, right? All you have to do is go to perfectsnacks.com slash wit to get a free perfect bar today. That's perfectsnacks.com slash wit to get a free perfect bar today. Happy snacking. All right, back to the chat. Was there anything you learned that made you really rethink like any views you had towards your own motherhood journey? Yeah. Well, okay. So I have so much to say about this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first, I definitely think telling the stories is a critical piece because I really believe that that's how everything else kind of shifts afterward. I think in the U.S., we're very big on storytelling. You know, like we love TV, we love books. We're very into even like celebrity culture. So a lot of our policies, even our laws come after the story change. So I actually, I did my TED talk about this, which is entirely 
focused on how stories will then impact the policies that are affecting women and are affecting mothers. And so within our stories, if we continue to erase mothers, meaning we either just completely leave them out or we kind of, I don't know, skew the the story so it seems like they were not involved or whatever it is, then we also leave them out when we're thinking about policy. So when we think about the fact that the U.S. doesn't have affordable childcare for everyone, when we think about the fact that we don't have parental leave on a universal level, where a lot of countries do have this, what's happening in the U.S.? Why aren't we paying enough attention to mothers' stories or mothers' experiences? And the maternal health crisis is another example. There's something that's going really wrong here, um, and we need to start focusing on that. So I think storytelling is just one of many steps, and I hope that later on it will be so ingrained in our culture that we respect the role of mothers and those who are doing mothering work that it starts to feel just commonplace to make sure we also ask, oh, but who was this person's mother? I think that would be really, really lovely. <laughs> Eventually we get to that, that point. And then the second part of your question, which was how this affected my own motherhood journey. I was actually not a mom when I first wrote this book. So when I came up with the idea, I didn't have my kids yet. I just always felt so amazed by those that were doing mothering work. And when I say that, it's not only biological mothers, it's community mothers. It's also people of other genders who are doing that kind of caretaking work of caring beyond the individual. And so this book is also a celebration of all these identities. But while I was writing the book and before the book came out, I was pregnant with my son. And it really is something that I can't even like I can't even pull apart my motherhood identity from this book because they happen simultaneously. But in learning about these women, I realized I have to be a confident mother. I have to be aware of how many strategies are in place to kind of make me feel like I don't know what I'm doing or make me feel like I'm supposed to put my feelings behind everybody else's or put my needs behind everyone else's. All of these things are actually a result of I don't want to get too sociological about it, but all of these are results of patriarchy and they were implemented on purpose to keep women in place and to keep us feeling like we only had specific roles to play that were assigned to us and that we kind of couldn't break out of that. But that's really not what motherhood is, nor that it should be. It's actually very revolutionary. It's impactful. It's critical. And so we start to it from that perspective. And that's the kind of motherhood or the motherhood experience that I'm trying to live. I don't want my kids to think that I'm some kind of magical minion who doesn't have needs on her of her own and can just take care of everyone else. But that is a I'm a person, I'm an actual human being. And I also give myself a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness. And I ask for help and I'm very aware that parenting is supposed to be something that's done as a community. It's not supposed to fall on just one person. And so all of that came as a result of my research, not only on these three women, but also what has happened with motherhood in the U.S. as a result of patriarchy. So I'm always kind of combating that. Yeah, no, I I really love that because I think 
this idea that mothers have to sacrifice their whole being just to be mothers has spawned from this patriarchy. And there's no time like the present to really undo that because Mm -hmm. if we live like that and our kids see us live like that, that motherhood is our identity and we're narrow-minded and we are not easy on ourselves and we don't make mistakes and we can deal with anything, then how will they grow up to be like well-adjusted kids who have open minds? We are the people that they look up to the most, not just by like what we say to them and what we teach them, but how we react to things in our own lives. Like they're literally watching every single little thing we do and how we are handling our lives And they're like little sponges that then, you know, every way that we deal with life, they're soaking in just a little bit. So it's so important, like you said, just to have that patience with ourselves, to have that grace with ourselves, because we want our kids to have the same. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So can you give us a little peek inside of your book and maybe share some specific stories Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So many. Yeah. It's hard to choose because really in these three cases, they were so intertwined and all three of the sons gave credit to their mothers for their accomplishments. So it's really as a result of historians and scholars and mainly male ones saying, oh, that's just not that interesting. We're going to leave that out of the story. It's really unfortunate. But I think it's important important for people to know some of the hardships that these mothers face because yes, their sons were able to go on and do incredible things, but we really shouldn't celebrate the exception of that. And instead we need to focus more on how much further these families could have gone had they had the support that they really deserved. So just as an example, Louise Little, Malcolm X's mother, as I said earlier, she was this activist and very proud of of standing up for herself and for her people. And as a result, she was often targeted by hate groups like the KKK. And after her husband was murdered, which is is so tragic, she was then placed in a mental institution against her will. And before my book, all we knew about this and all people ever said about it was that she, quote, went crazy, which is a terrible way to speak about yeah. somebody, but that it was all her fault. And she, this is why her kids were taken away from her, et cetera. And in my research, I was able to find the doctor's note that what as to why she was you know placed in this institution. And this was a white male doctor who evaluated her. And he said that she was imagining being discriminated against. Oh my goodness. That is a quote. And this was enough to put her in this institution against her will, which she interpreted as an incarceration for 25 years of her life. Wow. 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 This is the kind of history though, that we should one be completely aware of. We all need to know this is awful, a crime that was committed against her, Malcolm X's mother. But instead, the way the story then was told placed the blame on her as if she'd done something, as if even her falling apart after her husband is assassinated was on her shoulders. And so in understanding this story, we also then understand so many other moments where women and women of color very specifically are saying, no, this is the experience I'm having. This is what I'm going through. And somebody else says, no, you're wrong. You're imagining that and then they're punished as a result. So 
those are the kind of moments where the book also reaches into our current times and really illustrates things that we need to improve on. And then with Bertis Baldwin, she unfortunately was the victim of domestic violence for many years. Her her husband was, and we knew this from James Baldwin's writings, he spoke a lot about his stepfather and, and the abuse that he witnessed and that he experienced. But we don't often speak about the fact that after her husband passed away, Bertis was raising nine children on her own. Wow. She was a single mother of nine. And she actually finds so much freedom and liberation after his passing. And she never tries to remarry. She wants to raise her children and help them see what they can do for the world through the power of creativity, because she was a writer herself, even though she was never published. And this is how she really inspires her children to do that for the world. So not only James Baldwin, but his siblings, they were all different forms of artists. They were and that many of them are still alive, very creative thinkers and the way they thought about how they could change the world. And so she's this incredible example. And she lived up until 1999. So it's this incredible story of seeing this century of American history through her eyes. So that's something you would walk through in the book. And then with Alberta Williams King, one of the most tragic parts of her story is that she was also murdered only a couple years after MLK Jr. She was playing the organ at church and a man walked in. He was just having some kind of episode and he originally wanted to uh, hurt her husband, but he later said that she was closer to him. And so he shot her instead. But this is, again, a part of American history that we should be aware of. MLK Jr.'s mother was also murdered. I feel embarrassed that I don't know that. Like, I really feel, yeah, I feel embarrassed. But No, I mean, that's what that, this, this whole book is filled with those moments where you will walk away feeling, why didn't we know this? Yeah. Why was this history that wasn't shared? But it really illustrates an issue we have with giving women credit for their contributions, especially women of color, especially mothers of color, especially black mothers. And actually why I'm now working on my next project, which is entirely about addressing the why, why does this happen? Why are they erased? Why don't we know this? All right. And now let's take a break to hear about our amazing brand partners. Your nutritional health is personal. So shouldn't a person help you manage yours? Vanessa Rosetto, a popular guest on the Dear Media podcast and previous guest of my podcast with Wit, has spoken on the importance of every person having access to a dietitian. Now you can with Culina Health. Culina Health's team of licensed dietitians talk to you about your goals, your health, your lifestyle, and then they create a custom nutrition plan for you and help you stick to it. Plans are all rooted in science and supported by data and peer-reviewed research. Culina Health dietitians specialize in all major subspecialties, including pre- and postnatal health, gestational diabetes, and weight loss. Their service is highly personalized for each patient because we are all unique and deserve to work with someone who understands that. Founded by two black dietitians and the only nutrition company with a registered dietitian as the CEO, Culina Health has worked with over 10,000 patients, some of whom lost 100 plus pounds without any drastic changes to their eating habits. Your nutritional health is personal. 
Sign up today at culinahealth.com slash with wit, and you'll receive a free kitchen toolkit to get started. Visit C-U-L-I-N-A health.com slash with wit to register to book your first initial session and never pay more than your copay. It's no secret that soda is delicious, but most are loaded with empty calories and chemicals. So let me put you on one that tastes better and is better for you. Poppy, a prebiotic soda infused with apple cider vinegar, is a leading brand in functional soda. Created with real, high-quality ingredients, it's changing the game for soda lovers with gut-friendly benefits wrapped in refreshing, delicious flavor. With just sparkling water, real fruit juice, and a tablespoon of pure, unfiltered apple cider vinegar in each can, Poppy boasts yummy flavors like strawberry lemon, cherry limeade, and orange, as well as the classics we all grew up with, including cola, dock pop, and root beer. Seriously, their cola tastes just like Coke. Sunny actually loves it, and it's a soda I can give to him without feeling guilty about it. Each can of Poppy is packed with prebiotics for gut health and just 25 calories and five grams of sugar or less. This flavorful, full-of-function brand is just getting started to change the face of the soda industry for good. Get on with your gut health and shop Poppy for 15% off on Amazon with code WITHWIT and in retailers nationwide. Watermelon is my favorite flavor right now, and I'm living in their merch. It's so cute. Their branding is just adorable. So use code WITHWIT for 15% off on Amazon and get sipping. I have a gut feeling you're going to love these. Okay, back to the conversation. Okay, well, getting into you a little bit and how like your study has impacted you as a woman and a mother can you name like a challenge that you faced as a mother and what you learned from it as it relates to, you know, your work? Mm, that is such a good question. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think there, I mean, you know, motherhood is full of challenges. I think it's the of most course. magical experience, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful. And it's also the hardest thing. Exactly. <laughs> We're always constantly dealing with it. I would say though, the biggest challenge thus far has been thinking about raising my son and my daughter and the fact that we, you know, we're a black family, obviously these are beautiful black children, but knowing that the world has not come as far as I would have hoped by the time I was having children and really contending with the fact that I relate to a lot of what Alberta Burtis and Louise faced when they were thinking about sending their children off into a world that often doesn't see them as the full human beings that deserve dignity and respect that they are. And so I learned something really special, I think, from from studying the, the three of them. And I call them my kind of four tenets of raising Black children in the U.S. And one of them is that there's really no choice as to whether or not we're going to tell our kids about how horrible the world can sometimes be. We right. have to inform them. We have to protect them. But the second part of it is that we have to make sure our children know that they're not defined by that, um, by that hatred or that ugliness or other people's kind of myopic vision of their potential. And the third is that they're not alone in, in fighting against that, that they can and that they should change the world as it is, but that they shouldn't feel like the pressure is only on them, that 
they are part of a generation or generations of people who came before them. They are amongst their peers who are fighting alongside them. And this is why, you know, the study is so important. It's not that MLK kind of just popped out of nowhere, fully formed with these ideas of freedom. Instead, he was building on a legacy of people who came before him, including his mother. And that's something that I want my children to be aware of too. And that fourthly, their patience, their relaxation, their love, these feelings of calmness are really what we're fighting the most for. And so they don't have to constantly be I know, actively fighting, but they can have those moments where they're just joyful. And like, that's really what it's all about. And really just for myself as a mom, calming myself into those moments and saying that is really what matters the most. That's the number one priority is our love, our joy, and having the space and the time to think, you know, we're okay. And to to really embrace that. So those are my kind of four lessons from, yeah. from the three mothers <laughs> and they kind of take different forms. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's such a huge responsibility for you. And especially with, with young kids figuring out how to broach these, these topics and introduce them to these ideas. But then also what you just said, the last thing really struck me. It's just like to not always be on the defense, to want to fight and stand up for what's right, but to not feel like they always have to be protecting themselves. And it's just so sad that we're in a world where that will take over, you know, a kid's subconscious and then they feel like they're in this fight or flight mode and that's just no way to live. So that's really, really powerful. Yeah. What would you say that you're, you're most proud of as a woman right now? Like not even as, as a mom, but just as a woman right now. I have had this dream of writing books and really having the privilege of getting paid to just have my creative ideas and also then speak about those ideas, you know, for months after the book is out. And I, I'm so proud that that's what I do. I'm really, really like in, in disbelief sometimes. And even, you know, others ask me like, okay, so like what, so what do you do on a day-to-day basis? And I'm like, I write, that's what I do. (laughs) That's what I get paid to do. And it's, it's such a privilege and I'm, I'm so proud of it. And also the accomplishment of this kind of vision that I had, I can do something different with this PhD. Like I, I'm very inspired by professors. I'm inspired by academics, but it just wasn't where I wanted to be. Even though I, I knew I wanted to keep pursuing degrees, I, I wanted it to be for something larger in my mind and like talking to more members, if you will, in all different spaces. And it's so cool that that's what I get to do. So I am really proud of, of this dream coming true. You should be. It's really incredible. While you were speaking, I started to think about what your mom was like or is like, because you are obviously such an example of someone that's shedding light on such important topics and that must have come from somewhere. So what's, what's your mom all about? Yeah, she, she was the absolute best. She so, so sadly passed this last year. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But it's honestly, I mean, so I had the book out a year before my mom passed and I didn't realize, yeah, no, I didn't realize the kind of gift it was that I was shouting out my mom all over the place, you know, on radio, on TV. I was just constantly like, oh, my mom's the best. And my mom taught me this and my mom stood for all of these things. And this is why I do this. And so it's a gift truly of, 
you know, I think a lot of people who lose their parents before they, you know, their time in a way, you know, she was very young, I'm very young, um, they feel this sense of, I didn't tell them, I didn't tell them how much they mattered to me, I didn't tell them, you know, all of these different things. And I, I didn't realize it, but I, I had that gift. And so it gives me a lot of peace. But she was the most incredible person, always showing my siblings and I that, you know, she could continue to do the things that she was very passionate about, while also being an incredible mother to us, but also telling us that that's not necessarily had how it had to go. She was very big on women just choosing for themselves what they wanted to do. And so when my sister had her daughter, her first, she has four kids and she wanted to be at home with her kids. And she was a lawyer before that. My mom said, that's, that's incredible. That's what you should do. And, you know, when I said, I want to keep working, she said, that's what you should do. And she, she was entirely about what do you want to do? And that's really how this world should operate. It shouldn't be that others are continuously putting women in boxes or telling us these are your only options or these are the limitations that are going to be placed upon you, but instead that we have control and agency over our own lives. And, and that's what she cared deeply about because her own father was a judge and she wanted to become a lawyer. She wanted to follow in his footsteps and he would say things like, no, that's something that your brother will do. It's right. not something that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where her passion came from in terms of just being able to tell as many women as possible, you get to choose. And did she did that in the US. She did that abroad. We spent most of our life traveling from country to country. And it was incredibly inspiring. So yeah, I think in a different way, that's sort of what I'm doing too. And just really making sure that that choice is something that we protect. Yeah, it really is so important because I think when kids know that they have a choice, they feel so much more empowered and confident. And we are there to support our children. Children are not living their lives for us, you know, for our satisfaction or gratification. Like they're their own people going on their own journey. And I think so many parents, gosh, especially these days, I feel like put these unrealistic expectations on their kids or utilize their kids to live out their unrealized dreams. And it's just so important to to take a step back from that and realize that these kids are really like they need to formulate their own identities. And it's our job to, to support that. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. So last question, you're obviously doing so much work to help others and to educate others. What do you do to nurture yourself and take time for yourself? I'm very big on taking time for myself and Good. taking care of myself. This is a this is a big part of actually, you know, studying motherhood and thinking yep. about, oh wow, that's part of the strategy of making us kind of tired is like to keep us in this place and like just fill our plate with too many things right. as mothers. And so being very conscious of that and fighting against that, I think is is critical for all parents to do. So I'm very big on yoga. I try to go to yoga at least like three times a week and just have an hour to myself where I don't have my phone on. And I remind myself that the world will go on and everyone, (laughs) everyone does not need me and I don't have to give all the answers. Crazy when we do that, how we figure that out because we're like attached to our phones and think like, oh my God, God forbid I left it at home or whatever. It's just so crazy when you actually put it down for an hour, how nothing 
exactly happens. (laughs) I like actually really like that about studios that take it so seriously. You know, like sometimes it's a bit aggressive, but like you cannot have your phone. You're like, okay, I I I respect that. I totally my phone. (laughs) So that's one of the things, and just spending time with with kids and their friends and our friends, and then you know, getting in in the car and going on a drive and calling a girlfriend who maybe, you know, doesn't have kids themselves and is forcing me to talk about things other, other than stuff. my children. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are some of my practices. This was so amazing and beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. It was really my honor. I'm so, so happy to be here. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney Eve Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.